It's the Daily Talk Show episode 697. Happy Ooh. Friday and welcome to the show, Phoebe Simmons. Hi, guys. Hello. Just in your car. You're, you're currently... Yeah, in my in car, car, just a casual, yeah, just hanging out. Not very scenic, <laughs> sorry about that. No, it's, it's beautiful. Can you set the scene? Where actually are you right now? Yeah, I'm out the front of the Blow, which is my um, blow dry boutique on Little Collins Street, and I couldn't get a park so in time for the show. So I'm in a loading zone and just hanging out and just keeping my eye out for any city of Melbourne guys in fluoro jackets who are going to tow me. So it might be a um, it might be a thrilling uh, show for you guys. I might yeah, this could be good. you know get up on a truck or something. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not always that we can get a live traffic update from Collins Street. Can you deliver us one, please, yeah. please? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's like high construction zones at the moment, so not much space for shitty little 2014 uh, Volkswagen Polos. It's just truck central. <laughs> um, first of all, I wanted to – I was going to look it up and sort of impress you with everything I know about hair. Can you explain what it actually means to get a blow dry for, for Gronks playing at home? Absolutely. And um, just to set the scene, I am not a hairstylist, so I actually mm. don't know anything about hair either, if that makes you feel any better, Josh. <laughs> right. yeah, um, I, so my background is brand and marketing, and I saw a really big opportunity in Australia that hadn't been seized on in the market um, versus huge trends that were going on, particularly in the States, uh, where women would invest in a weekly or twice-weekly blow-dry. Blow-dries can be a really powerful way to help women conquer their day with confidence. So it involves a wash, a blow dry and a style. And it means that you're saving a lot of time on doing your own hair. Um, and you can get, whenever you see anyone with really beautiful polished hair, it means that they've put a lot mm. of effort into it as opposed to doing like, you know, a top knot, which is what a lot of people are rocking at the moment. So women rely on blow dries to, uh, feel a lot more powerful and confident and they a lot of women get them before any big event um, mm -hmm. whereas a, a lot of our guests as well who are in corporate Melbourne will get a blow dry kind of once or twice a week at 7am before they start their um, week of work um, so that they just feel a lot more put together. I love that. I, I, love I the reckon there's not, not, not many uh, other things or things that I do in life where I walk out feeling confident after getting a sharp haircut <laughs> and that having that sort of yeah. massage during it. I mean, yeah. head massages, it's, they are the best. Can you, oh, the best. I mean, you said you're not a hairstylist, oh. but can you at least appreciate a great head massage? <laughs> oh, completely. And do you know what the thing is? Hairstylists don't understand. So when I was originally putting together kind of the product menu, I was, I put in an extra 10 minutes for a head massage and they were like, will anyone actually get that? I'm like, dude, that's the best part of the whole thing, like where you can just mm. sit there. Um, have you ever had that thing, um, like a Turkish haircut where the guys do um, like uh, burn your nose hairs off? Oh, that's I've like a seen, thing. I've seen it on like Instagram where they do the whole like, the the like actually like burning hair in general, which seems yeah crazy. Yeah, they like burn your nose hairs. It's huh. part of like a complete Turkish men's haircut. I think that's being offered more and more. You guys should check it out. Yeah. How long does it take? I mean, to I burn get... my nose hair, just not with not with flame <laughs> in the past. Yeah. Not professionally. <laughs> so what's the like? How is it like a forty-five minute thing, or what's like what's yeah the deal? yeah it's. 45 minutes, so wash takes like 10 minutes and then the blow dry, which is really just using like a hairdryer and like a big rolling brush. And then that adds a lot of body and movement and obviously dries the hair mm. off and then a style using tongs. So to create really nice bends or curls or waves. Mm -hmm. When you look at Phoebe, like I the... Think, um, oh, yeah, go on, TJ. I was just going to say um, we've got a video production company and, and we've come from a video background working for other businesses and so it's like I've always thought you know it's advantageous to have that experience of being the person behind the service and then you know getting people on to help with the service what what is that sort of mindset going into a business where you're not the 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 service provider the professional behind you know the the blow wave or the blow dry and mm. head massage how, how do you sort of um, what are the things to look out for going into a business where you're creating the environment 
that the business is in and doing all the other things, but not the service. What are you looking for as someone? What are the learnings that you've had? Yeah. Um, well, I think the biggest thing for me is because I'm not a hairstylist. I actually think it's been quite advantageous because my background is brand and marketing for big cosmetics brands. So in an industry where a lot of salons are owned by hairstylists, hairstylists are approaching it in the way that they know, but which is all excellent and great. But I had to lean into my strengths, which was brand and marketing um, and really understanding the customer experience and knowing what a professional woman wants. And so I was able to build out a very clear positioning statement and a DNA around a brand that, you know, for me, the blow was never just about blow dries. That's obviously a part of it. That's our product. But I'm more interested in how we make women feel and the physical and emotional transformations that we can make. And we stand for the strength of women. There's a really big feminist piece to the work that we do, the events that we run. Um, So obviously, we need to do blow dries, that's our bread and butter, but um, I'm more interested in creating a space where women can come together to lift each other up. And I think that's how Mm. the blow has been able to carve out a really unique place in the market um, versus just another hair salon that's offering a service. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, almost like beyond the service, right? Like a, a personal trainer is not a, just a person instructing you to do exercises. You need to be able to communicate, understand humans, um, read emotions and all those things. It's a, yeah, I, lo- I love that approach. It's um, I think maybe people that start businesses usually end up in something they've done because they are connected to the service. But it's the same thing. You're connected to the marketing and the branding, which is is your love. It, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. The, the business side you- of things, Phoebe. Is it like what is the actual business of? Like, what do you have to consider? Is it the, like, you've got the lease, then you have, like, I'm guessing they're, like, big things that go on your head. Is that, like, how, like, is that how it works? Yeah. Like, what's the yeah. what's the business behind it? Yeah. Um. Well, so it took me 11 months from the time that I had the idea to the time that we opened our doors, which was pretty quick, um, considering I was still working for 10 months of that. Um. But there are big ticket items like when you you would do a timeline and what I did, I did a timeline of everything that I needed to tackle. Um, Obviously, the lease is the most important piece and the piece that can really hold you up. Um, So that was about three months of finding the place and negotiating all of the all of the terms um, and then my the way that I approached it was all of the operational stuff that I could I knew that that would be really heavy um, in the back end of the um, pre-launch kind of prep whereas all of the brand and marketing stuff I could do at the start when things were still quite lumpy because you know what it's like you're waiting on emails and confirmations of certain things so I tried to control all of the things that I could control and create early on which meant that as things got a little bit more stressful closer to the date around the build and recruitment and training and you know council permits and all that kind of stuff it meant that marketing was already set and ready mm-hmm. to press go on um in time for launch so did you have a sense then of of this is how much it's going to cost like i guess if you've got something that's like a lot of assets up front like is that something that you you lease or like what's the actual like sort of the deconstruction of understanding things like margins and making sure that you have yeah. like a sustainable business Yeah, sure. So um, because we're a service business, um, the way that I did a cost analysis was it's a productivity matrix. So a service business is really fueled by um, salary costs and hourly wages. So just say a casual worker earns $30 an hour um, and our blow dries $60, then you need to put in additional like payroll tax and super and all of that additional stuff. Then you and then you add in your rent um, as a mm. kind of cut of by hour, you really kind of grind it down into um, like a very formulaic kind of approach. And that's how we manage our book. So we would say, okay, we if I put two people on in the morning or five people on in the morning and they're doing blow dries for 45 minutes at a time, how productive for the whole day do they have to be to be able to make a return? Um, so it's, 
you know, and that was a lot of guesswork at the start, but I came from Benefit Cosmetics, um, which they specialize in doing brow waxes. Um, so it's a service model as well. So I used that kind of uh, formula to build out what the blow would be. Mm. I mean, in, I'm, I'm always curious about um, businesses that sort of put in that real planning before they've opened because there's the uh, projections of what you think it will do and what you need to do versus when the doors open, starting to get that feedback. What was the sort of big things you noticed from plan on paper to people experiencing Blowbar? I think it's just, I mean, you... I'm a very instinctive person, so I always go with my gut. I didn't see it as a big risk despite signing a really scary lease and, you know, having people on payroll because I just knew it was going to work, and it has. Um, the thing that was the most gratifying was starting to see people come through the door and then returning, um, and that was mm-hmm. that was incredibly exciting. And, you know, it was a slow start, but... Um, you know, as we kind of got the awareness, but we kind of, the rubber hit the road at about the six month mark. And with retail, there is an element of being patient and letting, you know, things take their course. And so I'd try and approach it by um, like only looking for one daily win. And it could be a really nice customer email. It could be an Instagram post performing well. It could be um, hiring someone great or, could be getting a really good piece of PR, whatever ever it is. It was like, okay, that was my win for the day and that's okay um, because otherwise, you know, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And I think particularly when you're um, a sole business owner, you can feel everything, um, you know, in all its extremities. And mm. so it was, it was definitely a learning curve. Um, but there was no such thing as, kind of a reality because you never know or an expectation because you never actually know what it's going to look like and it changes so much day to day um but yeah in terms of in terms of those opening few months and the kind of plan that we had in place we definitely met kind of where we were expecting to land is there any tricks on uh, introducing customers to sort of a new category because i feel like i've seen things like the blow in other parts say like the US, but haven't really seen it much in Australia. How do you get people used to the idea of, okay, 7am, I get my coffee, I go into the blow. Is there any like strategies around that? Yeah, it's a huge part around education. So in the States, it's just understood that blow dry bars exist. And it's, you know, I guess once you've got, uh, you know, a certain level of disposable income, it's what you start to invest in. It's the same with nails. It's the same with brows. It's the same with spray tans and eyelash extensions. Um, Whereas in Australia, I saw that the trend had come through with brows and with nails and eyelash extensions, but it hadn't yet arrived with blow dries. So there's a big piece on educating the around the benefits of um, blow dries and head massages, I guess. Um, But more the point, like you can educate as much as you want, but it needs to be accessible. And so we really built the business around being on, being as effortless for a a professional woman in the CBD as possible. So that's to do with location, but it's also to do with being able Mm. to book online um, and being open Mm. from 7am. So you can, you can educate, but it needs to be um, something that they, they can actually easily um, make part of their lifestyle on a weekly basis. In in terms of um, geographical location of the store, I mean, you mentioned city and CBD, you know, business women before work. How important was it location and why did you land on Collins Street? Location was everything. Um, and I had looked at a couple of sites and none of them felt quite right and kind of as i said i'm quite instinctive person so when i saw this space i knew that it was our space um in addition you need a certain amount of floor space so i needed minimum 50 square meters and this was 50 square meters so in an ideal world it would have been even bigger um to deal with demand on you know big demand on thursday friday saturdays but it is what it is it's nice and cozy um but Little Collins Street felt really right to me because 
it's that top end of town that people kind of call the Paris end. So it's already seen as quite premium and luxury. And there's a lot of tourist trade as well, which was very important to me because a lot of people who are in town for the weekend or they're here for hen's do's or weddings are staying in hotels nearby and come to the blow almost as a destination now. So it's kind of part of their hit list when they're in Melbourne, they need to go to the blow, which is um, incredibly gratifying. Mm. Um, And yeah, obviously they're being close to public transport and trams and offices um, is their bread and butter of the Monday 7 till seven kind of Monday to Friday, seven to seven trade. Um, a lot of blow dry bars or, or hair salons do exist in suburbs, which is great. Um, but I'm not catering to people who are in the suburbs during the weekday because all of my guests are at work. So I don't see any point being in the suburbs because that's actually not convenient for my guests. It needs to be in a place where they can go before work, during work or after work. What was the most effective sort of marketing tool in the the early days to acquire customers? Um, We did a lot. I mean, there was a lot of friends and family and um, promos and things like that going on at the start. Um, I had a media launch four weeks in and Urban List came in um, to experience the blow and wrote a story and our business doubled overnight, which was huge for us. Um, And so, you know, having that, that online feature I mean PR for me I mean PR is everything I think and I think um, a lot of people make the well not the mistake a lot of people think that marketing and PR is the same thing it's not it's a completely different discipline and you need to really need the um, the experts in that field with their little black book and their way of speaking and their way of making connections and telling stories to do that. Um, So I invested in PR early on. We also did a really cool activation um, six months in for International Women's Day where we we, uh, didn't charge anything for blow dries and we just invited all of our guests to come in, get a free blow dry and in return we asked them to make a donation to Share the Dignity, which is our partner charity. Um, Share the Dignity provides tampons and sanitary items to uh, women who are homeless and they help to fight for the safety and support of domestic violence victims. So we thought that that was really a powerful kind of message for International Women's Day and we raised almost $6,000 that day. Um, we did over a hundred blow dries and people were just coming in and wanting to be part of that experience and be part of that community. And I felt a really big momentum shift that day going forward. And also, you know, the Herald Sun and Time Out and a ton of publications covered it because it was different. So that was, that was a big energy change for me as well. I think from an awareness point of view. Businesses these days, you almost need to be a content creator as well as the person behind the business. I mean, you, you're creating a lot of content. What's your um, your thoughts on being a content creator behind a business? Yeah, it needs to be relevant and meaningful. End of story. I mean, there is so much out there and I think it needs to once again come back to the DNA of the brand and everything that you stand for because at the end of the day, if everyone's posting the same memes just because they're funny um, and cute and in my mind, you know, pink and red because they're my brand codes, I mean, that doesn't set us apart. And so the DNA of the brand needs to come through all of the content that we create and we put out there, which once again is back to our mission statement of helping women conquer their day with confidence. So as an example, with the blow, I would never post a meme or something that was like, oh, Monday or fuck my life or whatever, because we're all about positivity and helping you feel really good and strong. Um, so it's, you. I think brands need to be very careful about the content that they're posting that it still maintains the tone of voice and the positioning um, of, of the brand in all of its purest forms. But it's a lot of work, like the, mm. you know, including Insta stories, and I'm seeing a lot more Insta lives and things for brands as well, which is brilliant. And obviously, communi- community is key. Um, and that's what's um, really driven the success of the blow. Uh, but it's a lot of work, you know, for for one person or two people or for, for a lot of for small brands kind of doing it and and staying to like a cadence kind of strategy mm. talking on that whole the, the people part of business 
what have you learnt about sort of finding great people, retaining them, training, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, and it's something that, I mean, I've been managing people for a long time, but I'm used to managing kind of marketing teams and, um, and you know, more of that professional side of things. So managing hairstylists is different and it was hard to find the team at the start who really understood everything that we were about. Um, so, but once after, a, you know, a couple of weeks and months, we really got our groove on and, you know, hairstylists are so passionate about what they do and have are obviously really creative people. Um, and so for me, it's about leaning into those, the strengths of theirs, but also acknowledging that I don't have any authority in hair. So I need to give them enough rope mm. to create and I need to listen to their, their insights in how they see a salon working because, you know, the blow is going to be expanding. We're going into Sephora as soon as we can um, open up yeah. again um, across like Melbourne and Sydney and nationally after that. Um, so I'm not going to be around in the salon every day. The goal has always been for them to operate independently. So it's just empowering the team to be able to make their own decisions and manage the business like it's their own. So you, um, that's amazing. Going to Sephora, you've, you've got mm. a huge behemoth of a business that has probably its own definitely its own sort of set of values as a company and then you've got yours which has its own how do you sort of mesh those two together and make sure they're you know working uh it's it's the synergy between the values of the of the brands um well i think i mean the brand the brand that you create obviously borrows from the kind of values that you really stand for and I think for me the biggest thing is communication and openness and um, I try and instill that in everything that we do and to always be really straightforward and clear um, not only with our team but with our guests and uh, you know otherwise it just breeds mistrust and I know that you know I've I've only worked with women my you know, my entire career. I've only ever worked with women, and I think that um, something that I hear often is people say, "Oh, well, we, you know, I was never supported by my boss," or "Oh, it can be really bitchy," or "She was trying to, you know, hold me back." I've never had that experience, um, luckily, but I do know that it exists, and so it's really important for me to create a culture where. Um, we can really walk walk the walk and talk the talk because we always speak about being a community and a place where women can feel lifted up. It's important to me that my team um, also feel that they are really supported in everything that they do as well. Um, easier said than done though. Mm. You know, I mean, it's amazing what you've business. built. Like where do you get the the sort of the confidence, I guess, like the, it requires a level of confidence to say, I'm getting the lease, I'm going to do all that sort of stuff. Over the course of your entire career, has there been any key moments where you feel like you've leveled up from a, a confidence perspective? Yeah, I've been, I'm, I guess I was quite precocious early on. I've been given a lot of um, really great professional opportunities. So I was working at Mecca um, when I was at uni and then I moved to London straight after that and um, I worked for a company that was owned by Bono and his wife which was a skincare company um, which is a whole other story um, <laughs> and then two years into that we were acquired by LVMH which is Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy they're the biggest luxury um, conglomerate in the world and they own brand well they own Sephora they own Louis Vuitton Marc Jacobs Fendi Celine Tiffany Bulgari amongst a million others um Moe and Chandon Verve so it was a really great um kind of baptism by fire to be welcomed into that world of how they operate and so I was spending a lot of time going between London and Paris um to uh learn how to brand and learn how to market a luxury um, cosmetics brand. So that was a really exciting time. But definitely, I mean, I was 25. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but you just kind of have to level up and be really excited for the opportunity. And then after that, 
I was keen, my partner and I at the time were keen to move to Singapore. So I moved to Singapore and looked after Benefit Cosmetics' expansion in Sephora's across Southeast Asia. So I was having to go to India and Indonesia and Thailand and Malaysia and do business with all of these different people with these different cultures and different ways of mm-hmm. communicating. Um, and so that was as well. And, and you're by yourself, right? So you're representing the brand, but, you know, you, you need to hold firm, particularly when you're dealing with men, like um, men in different cultures. I learned a lot about how to deal with French men. I learned a lot about how to deal with Indian men. It's, it's completely different. Um, but for me, it was always about steady hand and, um, making really decisive, quick decisions. Like one thing that I learned early on was when you're a manager, if you show any form of uncertainty, it can really rattle. Um, so it's important just to stick with your guns and give one firm direction and How do you do that? How do you like when you're Mm. in a moment where you're not really sure, how do you become, uh, you know, make the quick decision rather than sort of falling to being indecisive? Um, I guess, look, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like you've mm-hmm. just got to go with your gut and it might not be right, but, well, actually, no, it's always going to be right if it's your gut. Yeah. Um, and if it turns out to be wrong, then, you know, um, you can you can own that, but, I think the worst thing is just not acting. And um, mm. so I would just, yeah, always go with instinct. And then you can obviously ask for feedback and ask what people think, but I don't think that it's, um, I don't think it get, does anyone any favours, lots mm. of un- umming and ahhing and sitting on something for two weeks just because you're not quite sure or you need to check your facts. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. You've mentioned um, sort of instincts and gut feel, you mentioned going into the space in Little Collins and it felt right. I definitely have had those moments. It's even with our office, I kind of had this thing where it's, you know, in hindsight, you're like, yeah, I really felt it in the moment. What does, what does instinct mean to you and, and how do you explain it? Cause it is almost the unexplainable in some respects. That's a tough question. Yeah, very good question. <laughs> I'll, get, what do I'll you give think? you a head massage if you can answer it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, there's no right or wrong answer, right? Um, I definitely think, look, I don't think there's instinct without confidence. And I think, you know, Josh, when you said earlier, how do you get your confidence? I mean, I've got experience. So, you know, my instinct is still rooted in in an understanding of how things could work. Um, What about like the early days, like when you were sort of at that early stage, Mm. like you're at the assistant marketing level, yeah. Like, how do you then at that point? Because I think that that can sometimes happen. Is we start Gem, just sorry, just quickly. Gem is right outside my window. Oh, really? She's delivering. Emma Watts <laughs> is currently she's delivering ninety seven some skin products because he's had. Oh yeah, she's, dro- she's oh, dropped off a bat. What's recommended for uh, you? A Gemma Watts skin consultation. Here we go. Hang on, give me a second. Highly valuable. <laughs> yeah, 97's uh, got a uh, new girlfriend and she lives in Perth, so he's been staying up until four a.m. So he's been. Coming Coming onto the show looking absolutely horrendous, but um, and so going to give him a some, blow up. Yeah, but in in the comments actually, uh, Shana was asking about your skin. Oh, here we go, Gem K. What? <laughs> Even Hi. when I'm not here, I'm still here. <laughs> That's impossible. No one could ever pretend that you're not not here. <laughs> there really is no show without punches. There. <laughs> what if you dropped off, Gem? And a beautifully branded gift. Oh yeah, great. Let's do a quick. What is it? Here we go. Quick walk. Do an through. unboxing. Oh, this is beautiful. This We've is our got first. My two favorite um, eye masks. One is Aceology. One is Mecca Cosmetica. Great. Excellent. We've got some La Roche Posay Vitamin C eye cream. Oh, beautiful. Go, goes Fantastic. well with his his um, sunscreen got in the back. Thermal water for when you. Yeah, also goes with the sunscreen. Yeah. This will just be nice and hydrating as a little spritz. <laughs> do you shake it before um, then, you spray? Is it a spray? I mean, you don't have to, but I do. Okay, sure. Um, and then some roll-on sleep essential oils. Oh, he needs a lot of that. When he can't switch off over after those late-night phone calls. Yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, this is so I've nice. just been out the front with your family for the last <laughs> 10 minutes. 
Okay, bye everyone. Okay. See you at drinks. Bye, Jen. I'm going to first <laughs> choice now. Okay, great. Good luck. Oh, Don't go too hard. So cat. Bye, Jen. <laughs> Um, uh, no, uh, Shannon was asking about your skincare routine as well. Phoebe, that she was saying you're glowing. So can you give us the... I reckon that's the, that's the little Collins Street light. I've got to say, <laughs> my, um, what's that, east facing? Um, I uh, use a lot of stuff from Sephora and mm-hmm. I am really, really big into actually Gemma's as well, the rose coat. Quartz um, Roller and Gua Sha by Zove Beauty, which is really good at um, massaging the skin and making sure that all of your oils are really well absorbed and Mm. it's really great for circulation and reducing inflammation. So um, I would get on that every night as a nice little routine. Highly recommend. They stay nice and cold as well. I like how yeah, 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 put them in the fridge. Oh, that's a good trick. My son loves it. He loves yeah. it. He loves yeah, just getting daddy Oh, like a rolling. little <laughs> Yeah, it's very cute. Um, back to the intuition stuff. I think it's really yeah. fascinating. Gut feel and and you were you're right, JJ. It's like it is. And Phoebe, you mentioning like uh, it's all rooted in your belief system and your past experience mm. and whether you've been, you know, hard done by or not or things have worked. It's um, you ask me what what I think. I I'm mm. what I kind of grapple with is the. Uh, understanding that it might not be true. It's not mm-hmm. a truth. Like the feeling I have yeah. in my gut isn't necessarily true. It is a reaction. It's a, an emotion. It's triggered by something. And it, it might not even serve you either. as well. Like I guess some exactly. people like your intuition might be really great and serve you. But if you've come from a background that you're being told that you can't do it or to not trust certain yeah. things or then your true. intuition might be off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. I agree. I think that's particularly true with relationships as well. Like mm. if you're, mm. yeah, from like an emotional point of view. But I think from a business a business sense, you know, there are, look, the blow is not a novel concept, right? Like blow dry bars exist everywhere. And so it's not like I was coming at it being like, oh, my God, I'm like completely changing the world with, mm. you know, this brand new product. Um, and so in a way I knew that it existed elsewhere and I just knew that the way I was going to do it felt right for me. Um, and I think a lot of people sit on ideas because they don't have that confidence. And obviously like there's, there's the money outlay, there's the risk, but like I live my life by YOLO, right? Like mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. are never going to know. I'd much rather live a fucked up, up and down, emotional roller coaster of a life than just live one that just you know stays inside of the you know of the lines mm. um so the worst thing that's going to happen i thought is you were I about fail. to say stay inside and then i was going to oh, say we're all doing that at the moment because it's like yeah it is, i mean you can also like the it's so funny like i could think about the decisions josh and i have made with our business with starting something and things come up where you feel like you know logic mm-hmm. you know what's right taking out a lease on little collins is outrageous but you yeah. said it's like it's funny what i've realized though is at the moment of doing them it's never it's it wasn't as crazy looking back on mm-hmm. it now as what i think it should have been because yeah. it's like yeah it's and you, we're you just know, spinning leveling up bullshit yeah. as well right oh, like if you yeah. look at everything oh, with like yeah. the covid-19 stuff like if you listen to like a podcast we did two months ago, it was like, yeah, we want to have a studio with a hundred people in it. We want it like all of this <laughs> yeah. stuff. It's just like you right. listen to it now and you realize how actual. Like we just don't know, right? Like we like we can. So we can yeah. It's yeah. like I could be so depressed and 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 worried and uncertain at the moment about the blow. The fact you know I closed early because I just didn't think it was safe and I wanted to follow social distancing rules before the government kind of enforced everything. The worst thing for me in those those days, um, basically after the Grand Prix cancelled, I was like, oh, shit, like this is this is the real deal. Like, okay, it's not about money. It's mm. <laughs> um, if the Grand Prix are going to shut down, I mean, um, then everyone needs to start making decisions. But the worst thing for me was that uncertainty and being like, well, well when are we going to have to close? And so that was why I was like, nah, that's it. We're closing on March 17th. It's the right thing to do. Yes, it cost me 
probably a week or two of sales and yes it put extra pressure on the team but it was the right you know we talk about our community and we talk about everyone feeling safe and positive in our space and i didn't think that we were able to to operate in you know and stay true to our values by staying open um you know for one more hour it just Mm. wasn't right and Mm. so i think that's where that that instinct comes in it's coming back to your values it's coming back to how you actually how it sits with you um like it was it was up here like you know the the sunday monday tuesday night it just didn't feel right and so i had to listen to that Mm. yeah well yeah i mean and there's also the distinction between the feeling up here and then just being nervous and uncomfortable because you're in a hard situation and and yeah i guess it is it's like you've had it sounds like you've had a heap of life experience living in different parts of the world which allow you to become an expert in yourself like what Mm. more have we got outside of understanding ourselves and so yeah do do you do any mindfulness practices how much do you look yeah on yourself i have to and i think um how old are you guys I'm uh, 29. I'm 14. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, that's that's Mr. Um, May 7. No, uh, <laughs> cool. 29, TJ's 31, and Mason yeah. is uh, 20. Right. So, like, when I turned 30, I lost my mind okay. and I found it really, really difficult. And so I had to start, I'm 33 now, and I had to start really working on myself. So, you know, that was kinesiology. It was... Reiki, it was journaling, it was yoga, it was um, some form of mindfulness. I suck at meditation still, but um, and it was getting a much greater of awareness of who I actually was, and it wasn't something that I spent any time on during my twenties. Um, and I think that's why everyone always says, "Oh, your thirties are your best decade. Like they're so amazing. You finally know who you are." And I definitely believe that to the case, but I also had to put that work in and um and i think that's where you're able to identify clearly what your values actually are um and what you're going to stand for and um the kind of person that you're going to be whereas in your 20s you're still figuring it out and that's fun yeah do you think that you have to have that moment like everything falling apart to then rebuild and how much of the stuff that you were experimenting with stayed and and are you continuing to find other things or do you think you almost need a breakdown at 40 or you know have that moment again to, <laughs> i have to, breakdowns every year Josh. Um, it's a weekly practice a sunday night yeah. it'll break down you know what it's like owning your own business yeah. like blimey um but yeah you definitely need a reset i think mm. and you need bad things to happen to you um to be shaken a little bit and and that's okay. And you need to sit with that. And then you need to, you know, like I have three words a year. So last year, my my words were resilience, vulnerability, and courage. And then this year, hilariously, my words were fun or are um, fun, creativity, and what was my other one? Oh, presence. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I try and kind of really work on those those things throughout the year and that's a fun little exercise that i just keep on coming back to whenever i have moments of um of wobble mm. yeah i love that i mean the, the words as you kind of hinted to quite relevant for this year the, the quite relevant in the in terms of what you'd want to bring in these times that we're in right some fun being present and the other one um courage no uh yeah fun creativity and presence this year creativity yeah, yeah. Yeah, everyone needs a bit more creativity at these times. I mean, you mentioned yeah. you're expanding into Sephora. What is the what's the yeah. future hold for you at this moment? Well, it's just so hard to know, right? Like, you know how we're like you can't really make plans at the moment, but I'm actually really, you know, I famous last words, but I'm confident that we'll be able to operate relatively soon. Um, you know, hopefully at least by June and the minute that I start to see consumer confidence back because it's a different thing I mean you can open up and feel safe but it's when people are willing to get back into the routines and head to their offices and go to events and feel okay with someone 
touching them. Um, I think that's that's when I'll start to feel good about opening up the business in a um, significant way or an, or a non, more normal way. Um, and then we'll do Sephora after that. So, I mean, Sephora is closed at the moment as well. Um, so originally it was supposed to open end of March, early April. Um, so I don't know, June, July, August, yeah. September. What have, you learnt, what have you learnt about yourself in ISO? Um, well, growing up, we weren't ever allowed to say that we we're bored. We, because only boring people get bored. So <laughs> I tried it. Yeah, that sense. Um, it's like, <laughs> not even like, it's not even, it's not, like, I can fill my days very, very well. Like, I've still got a lot of work to do. I love reading, love doing exercise, like, good, whatever. It's just the mundaneness of it that I've found really challenging. Like, there's nothing to look forward to, really, is there, mm. apart from, like, chatting to you guys, which is hands down the <laughs> highlight of my week. There's right. there's nothing that's, like, really exciting you. And so I think it's just being able to, I've found I'm still able to get joy from the things that have always given me joy, um, which is time to myself, which is socializing with friends on like Zoom and stuff and um, staying really fit, which I have to do for my mental health anyway. Um, so I haven't really learned anything new, just that I need to be patient and to not try and force anything because it's completely outside of my control. So it's just like the thing that I've been leaning into over this period has just been like complete surrender to the universe just on the boredom thing i think your parents are bloody spot on um <laughs> sam harris who i do his Love meditation app every every day yeah, yeah. he um I, have you heard him talk about boredom yeah it, uh, he's brilliant put it in perspective and it made me think about all those people in my life that i had one friend we don't really chat that much anymore but she used to say oh, always i'm so bored i'm so bored and i just pulled up she was always with you he says <laughs> at the time yeah, no it wasn't with me maybe it was a hint to hang out yeah, yeah. i didn't want to hang out with somebody who kept saying i'm bored <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holy shit it was missed opportunity <laughs> no it wasn't <laughs> no um Sam says, boredom is often the one barrier between us and full immersion in the present moment. And it's for this reason that we ought to investigate it further when it arises. So it is like boredom, the thought is like a, an appearance in consciousness in our state, how we're feeling. But it's like it can be used as the trigger to then go, all right, well, am I avoiding sort of being alone with my thinking and all of that? So it's, I love that. You, you, your parents yeah. hippies? Mine aren't. My <laughs> mum's a yogi, oh, meditator. She yeah, would have said shit like a, that. My mum's a massive hippie and my dad's the complete opposite. So um, <laughs> Good balance. <laughs> can't put it down to that. Love it. Um, you guys get so deep. I'm really into this chat. Yeah, it's just a it's good, like I like the car vibe the too. The meaning of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> the, on the present, like being present, how do you, check yourself like is there do you and when do you find that you're sort of lacking presence or why was that a word that you felt like you needed to to include i i mean well pre-iso like my life is scheduled to the hour um and i can easily get kind of worked up about then I have to do this then I have to do this and it's always looking ahead and always thinking okay I need to remember to manage this situation or call this person and I need to remember to say this or whatever so I think um I needed uh, and I still need to do a better job of um just focusing on where I'm at in that moment and how I'm feeling and just tapping back into that otherwise I can get kind of carried away and I'm a bit whirlwindy so do you catch yourself then? Is it actually like a, oh, I'm well, doing this right now? Well, that's what I'm working on. That's what I'm working on. And I think I'm getting better at it. Mm. I think it's just even, that's why I have those words. It's even just to be, even by having them, it means that I have to be more aware of it. Mm. It's like um, it's like how journaling, and journaling really helps with presence because I set up my day through journaling and I'm like, this is how I'm feeling. Even mm. if I can do that for like half an hour, it puts me in a good good mindset mm. um you said you you said you're bad at meditation what did what did that mm. mean i just can't do it <laughs> i just can't do it can you do it <laughs> i mean i can like do I can a do version it. of it but yeah there's i can sit th for so, 10 minutes mm -hmm. but i can't yeah. 
like, you know how people go and do meditation courses. It frustrates me that I can't do it because I feel like I should be able to. Yeah. But um, my mind just wanders so much and it's really difficult to, well, this is the presence thing again. It's difficult to be super present and yeah. have like a complete moment of, of clarity. It's funny, isn't it, with the meditation yeah. stuff? I feel like I've got so much resistance to it. Like I, I know I can do it. I physically yeah. can sit there for 10 minutes. Yeah. But it's almost like this thing of like, I just don't need the, I just don't, even though that's not negative, it's like I just don't need the negativity. <laughs> I just don't need that bullshit. Like I've had a big enough day. Let me what, just chill out. Fair enough. What, and what's also interesting I think, though, um, like, sorry, go, go Phoebe. Oh, no, you go. Uh, no, you go. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to no, make first. an annoying no, comment about like how people tell you. It's like everyone needs to do a meditation, like loud and clear. I understand that. I mm. agree with that. I believe in it. But there's speaking of resistance, it's kind of like how people tell me to watch Game of Thrones. It's like, I don't want to fucking watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> and no, I'm not going to like it. Just leave me alone. Like, And it's almost like it's too cool and popular now. So I'm just like. No. Have you seen yeah. Tiger King? Pushback Queen. Of course I've seen Tiger King, but I'm a feminist, so I was outraged by the misogyny and all of the memes, like, off the back of it. Like, obviously, uh, yeah. Carol Baskin is crazy, but I hate how we were all so focused on her and, like, Joe yeah. was just a whole other ball game. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I actually yeah, I mean, get that. You should get yeah. her in at the yeah, blind. I mean, that did. could be a good, like, um, <laughs> fly her out. Could fly. you imagine if you fly? That'd yeah. be amazing. Melbourne Cup. Byo flower ground. Just before we kind of wrap up, I will say about the um, meditation stuff, something I've learned this week is... And Phoebe, you, did you, you grab you your keys? That, Have we... This is the first time we've yeah, ever... I feel like The we're ability going. of being able to, being when you up. want to wrap up, you... you, you oh, my up. God. <laughs> Why did I do that? Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm, I, I, I felt like it. You I felt it. Just yeah, tell me, like, yeah, yeah, one more question. I think I heard it go yeah, in the yeah, ignition. Just please? Was, yeah, yeah. No, that was bad sound. I'm used no. to, like, pressing the... Yeah. No, anyway, you're, you're, sorry. no, you're all good. I'm, sorry, I'm present. I'm yeah, present. Yeah. <laughs> the the feeling of being distracted during the process of of mindfulness is in itself something that you can focus on. So you know, it's like you focus on your breathing, focus on the tickle at the end of your nose when you're breathing, or where your chest is rising, whatever. It could be like picking the point of you know acute focus, right? Something I learned today, uh, this week, it was. When you get distracted and then you get focused on, fuck, I'm being distracted from this meditation mm -hmm. practice, that distraction can then be a point of focus, just like the nose. Mm. And so, because all of these things are appearances in consciousness, our feeling, the, the tickle on the nose, these are just like appearing, right? Mm. And so, we're then just choosing to focus on those. So, it is like, I, I know the pushback that it feels like when you're being pulled away by thought and then you're like fuck i'm annoyed that i'm getting pulled away by thought and yeah. and then you but that is a thing in itself that's like an object in True. in consciousness f to focus on so it's like give it another stab it's definitely you know it's definitely good uh, but and also Not watch game, game of thrones, thrones is what you're you saying know. <laughs> 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 no 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 i haven't no, watched I it too agree. long too much too much yeah <laughs> are you watching Absolutely anything safe. like what what's on what are you watching at the moment um, I'm obsessed with Homeland and have been for like way too long. So there's like two episodes left ever. I'm going back and watching Mad Men again, which is just a great kind of filler. Um, and have you seen Mindhunter? That's no. excellent. Oh, I haven't seen so good. any all those th that those three things I haven't seen, I, and that's the thing. It feels like there's so much to see now that I just you haven't ugh. seen Mad Men, Josh? No, I haven't. No. Oh. Yeah. It's good. Well, I, don't hey, want, um, I don't want to game with friends you, but <laughs> what's got too much? What's got more misogyny? Uh, Mad Men or uh, Joe Tiger Exotic? <laughs> Joe Tiger Exotic. King. I mean, Mad Men obviously <laughs> has all the misogyny, but it's in the 1950s and 60s, so you know, yeah, yeah, expected. Yeah. And, um, and he's a and hottie, the main guy. What's his oh, name? He's so uh, hot. What's his Don name? Um, oh, I thought you were talking Don about Tiger King. I was like, which one? <laughs> Don Joe. Meth Mouth? Yeah, Joe's a hot Meth Mouth. Really into Meth Mouth. Are you a reader? Oh, Do you wow. read books? Yeah, I'm a big reader. Yeah. yeah. 
I you reading? love, love, love books. Um, I'm reading Phosphorescence by Julia Baird at the moment, mm. which is really beautiful. It's about finding light in darkness. I'm reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I just heard her on a podcast on Brene Brown's podcast and I literally, I was listening to it when I was walking and I stopped and I cried. Quite emotional. Um, that's a, that was excellent. Have you listened to that Brene Brown podcast? No, not yet. But our mate Pete yeah. Shepard. I, I listened to one of them. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Love that. Awesome. And then I'm reading um I'm reading a book called The Mirror and the Light by Hilary Mantel, which is a novel, uh historical novel. Her first two in the series won the Man Booker Prize. It's about um Thomas Cromwell and Henry the Eighth. Probably not for everyone, but I'm super into it. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Um, good Phoebe, <laughs> how can people s- sort of support the blow or sort of stay connected whilst everything that's happening? Just join in all the fun and all the content that I'm spending hours creating <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. We've got stories every um, every night from um, women in our community who are sharing how they're helping, ha- how they are conquering their day with confidence. So check us out at The Blow Australia and also have a look at my other business, which is from The Memo, which is our baby e-commerce site, which is all about um, making that whole experience and uh, a lot more effortless um, mm-hmm. for expectant parents. On the blow, very quickly, with like, mm. if I could you do it with my hair, like, or is it got to be longer <laughs> hair to, to do it? We we can totally do it. It just, <laughs> I don't know if it's worth you paying sixty bucks for it. Sure. Um, yeah, but what if we what if we do eighty like percent of the session a head massage? Can we just yeah, do exactly. <laughs> we can make you feel really good. Yeah, I don't know. I just um, feel like it could be nice to do it because it is. It's a vo- it adds zhush. volume, right? Is that what it does? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll give you a zhush. We'll give you some volume, and I'll I'll um I might have to set up a a very short hair rate. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should do the group when well, when you're back open. We can do a group yeah. special, and we can so we can fun. all go yeah. in. <laughs> we could do a live show on. while getting our hair done, massage I'll only, just because of audio. Okay. Yeah, we'll blow (laughs) (laughs) you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Phoebe, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Have you had any? You haven't had a parking fine. You you. No. You're at a depot somewhere. They've just. (laughs) (laughs) You've been towed. Oh my god! I can't believe my luck. That's. I must be. I did see someone with high vis, and did. uh, It is quite hard to be present when you are (laughs) worried about getting fined. But that was why I grabbed my keys. Oh yeah. Okay. Step back. I'll pay you. I can't afford a nine like a hundred and forty dollar fine. I reckon you could talk your way out of it. I think you could just. Definitely. Yeah. Wouldn't be but my don't first park time. in a loading zone. Do not get out. It is so, they're more exp- they're like double the this price. This is a loading zone. Normal. This is a loading yeah, that's zone. That's what I'm saying. But don't get yeah. out of your car. Like they're not going to find you in your car. They'll just tell no. you to move on. Yeah. But yeah, don't do it. Yeah. Awesome. It's a daily talk show. You can uh, listen to us on all the podcast apps and you can watch us live as well. YouTube.com forward slash the daily talk show. Thanks, Phoebe. Have a good one. Thanks, guys.